Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode two of Ashid's Mega Slay History Podcast. I'm doing this in a massive rush because I have an exam, like, I think next Tuesday, and today's like Thursday. So, and that's my end of year mock. So, a little bit worried, but we move, we'll get through it. So, today we're going to be focusing on how did Henry VII immediately consolidate his power so when he first came to the throne as we know as we discussed last episode he had a very weak claim and no one really knew where he came from so he had a lot of work to do to make sure he just wasn't immediately usurped there we go good word um and following that we're going to look at the security of england and how henry tried to secure his dynasty long term so this includes rebellions and it's the first chapter in your textbook so without further ado i'm just gonna get started so following henry VII's win at bosworth where he ate and left no crumbs with the help of william stanley um henry made some very clever decisions to ensure he wasn't just immediately booted so he scheduled his coronation for october 30th and this is in 1485 of course and his first parliament was on november 7th 1485 this meant that henry's claim to the throne was portrayed as hereditary and not just sanctioned by parliament so if he went to parliament first then everyone would say oh well he's only the king because parliament approved him whereas with his coronation before that then it's kind of like, no, he was king before he even got there. This guy is good. Okay. At his first parliament on November 7th, 1485, he made some very clever choices. So he backdated his reign to August 21st, 1485. Now, if you remember, the Battle of Bosworth was on August 22nd, 1485. Now, this meant that anyone who fought for Ricky at the Battle of Bosworth was a traitor. They committed treason and they deserved jail time. However, Henry was feeling nice because he knew that these people still could have some use to him. So instead of just imprisoning them and like killing them like an absolute savage, he punished them with acts of attainder and their property was given to the crown. This was a really good move because it also meant that Henry's revenue was increased, so anything made from their land was now going to him. So following those two events, his coronation and parliament, in January 1486, there was a royal wedding. You know how we all get about royal weddings, absolutely crazy. So he once again timed it well, as he did this after the coronation and the first parliament demonstrating that he wasn't just king because of the alliance he made with his wife so he's not just using her blood to like be king it's kind of he he proved himself as king first and then he married her so it's kind of instead of actually making it the reason why he's king the marriage made it so that it was just an added bonus so that yorkists wouldn't get mad and believe it or not in September 1486, Prince Arthur, their first son, was born. That is literally nine months afterwards. January to September, that's nine months. Like, they were busy. They were getting at it, but 
good for them. Like I said last episode, I think they were like actually in love, which is really good. So yeah, absolutely busy. First nine months, they within nine months they had a son, which is really good. Because if I don't if I don't know whether you've gotten to that point 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 in your course yet, but um, Henry the Eighth that is something he massively struggles with. So Henry the Seventh just absolutely outdid him. Nine months, Bing Bang Bosh, son, no great matter to resolve. So now that we've gotten out of the way, how Henry immediately consolidated his power within the first few months of his reign. We're going to look at long term, we're going to look at some rebellions that happened, and we're going to look at how he dealt with them. So, despite some Yorkists supporting him because of his marriage alliance to Elizabeth of York, some were still a little bit salty from the Wars of the Roses, they weren't quite ready to let that go. So, in Easter 1486, a minor rebellion occurred, headed by Viscount Lovell and Stafford both of whom were big supporters of Stinky Ricky, and they, like, led his armies at the Battle of Bosworth. Where does Caesar keep his armies up his sleeves? Lovell tried to raise a revolt in the North Riding of Yorkshire, and Stafford tried to raise supporters in the Midlands. Um, And I know what you're thinking. These are very irrelevant places. Why would you do that? Well, um, Ricky had, and generally Yorkists, had loads of support in the north. So they were like, yeah, let's go there. And this seemed like a really good plan. However, they absolutely flopped because at the end of the day, no one likes to support someone who committed infanticide. Thank you to that loyal viewer who gave me the word. Not viewer, listener. Anyway, the word for killing a child is infanticide. Nobody wants to support that, surprisingly. So Henry VII immediately just crushed them because at the end of the day, no one was joining them. So they had a very, very small force and it just flopped immediately. Lovell, like a slimy snake, managed to escape. Wow, I'm a poet. Um, But Stafford was not so lucky and was captured and executed by Henry which, you know, he dealt with things very swiftly, you can say. If that's a point you're writing in your essays, he dealt with those rebellions. He just cut them down. He killed people. He got it done. There's someone hammering outside. That's really rude. I'm trying to record. Okay, whatever. We move. So the thing to note about this event is the lack of enthusiasm for a Yorkist uprising. No one cared no one moved. They were quite happy with Henry VII because who wants a child killer? Absolutely no one. So, some Yorkists, despite all of this, were still in the mood for violence for some silly reason. And they picked Lambert Simnel as their figurehead for rebellion. He's just a little Irish chap, I think. So, Simnel pretended to be the Earl of Warwick. Now, this is important because the Earl of Warwick descended from Lionel, Duke of Clarence. Lionel was the older brother to John of Gaunt. If you remember that name from the last episode, um, John of Gaunt is where Henry VII's claim to the throne comes from, his hereditary right, because he's descended from John of Gaunt through his mother. However, Lionel Duke of Clarence 
is John of Gaunt's older brother. And as we know from when we look at our monarchy today, the oldest son is always preferred. Therefore, the Earl of Warwick had a much stronger claim than Henry VII. Now, this sounds really bad for Henry VII. However, um, Henry VII is an absolute mastermind. Stream mastermind by Taylor Swift. Um, And he just saw the threat and he was like, okay, what do I do about this? He imprisoned him in the Tower of London, which is a pretty slay move, to be honest. I would I would do the same. Probably not. I Maybe I would. So the actual Earl of Warwick was in the Tower of London. But this random dude called Lambert Simnel was like, guys, I'm the Earl of Warwick. I swear down. I have a better claim to the throne. Come support me. Um, and he gained so much support. This is a really good fact for your essays that he was actually crowned as King of Ireland in May 1487, which is a pretty big deal, right? To fool enough people that you literally get crowned as king. Like, that is actually kind of crazy. So this whole plot with Lambert Simnel was masterminded by John de la Pole. And he's a really annoying Yorkist dude. Um... But this is where Henry VII, and I'm going to read you my exact notes right now. Here is where Henry VII eats and leaves no crumbs. He mic dropped, he had everyone gagged, and he shut them up for real. So that is what I said about what is about to happen, which I think is entirely accurate. I think it's a very fair statement to say. So because Henry VII had the Earl of Warwick in his tower, he was like, stop being goofy you absolute buffoons and he brought the earl of warwick out and showed him off he was just like here he is so he brought the earl of warwick out and he showed him he showed him off he went look here he is stop being fools um and that pretty much shut everyone up had them gagged as i said and for some reason that reminded me of madame two swords You know how they get, like, the wax figures? I feel like if everyone had phones, they would have all, like, taken selfies of him and gone, like, guys, it's the Earl of Warwick. But I don't know why that came to mind. John de la Pole was absolutely gagged, as I said he would be. He was really scared. He was like, the jig is up, the cat's out of the bag. Everyone knows that Lambert Simnel is no longer the Earl of Warwick what do I do? So he legged it and he joined forces with Mr. Lovell from earlier. So he was chilling in the Netherlands and Mr. John Dillapole joined him. And in the Netherlands was also Margaret of Burgundy. She would be an absolute pain for Henry VII. And we'll get onto her when we cover Perkin Warbeck. But she was another mastermind and she was out to snatch Henry's wig. That's what we need to know for now. So I'm going to call her Margie, personally. I just felt like it. So Lovell and John, they were like, we need Henna's gone, okay? I do not like him. You do not like him. Let's get rid of him. 
So Margie was like, okay, fine, whatever. So she gave them the money to pay for some mercenaries to go and invade and stop Henry. But plot twist, as I said before, Henry VII is the ultimate mastermind and he was not about to let Margie take his throne. So he had known about this attack and he'd known about Lambert Simnel for a really, really long time. And he took a gamble. That's what the textbook said. The textbook said he took a gamble. And it's giving Vegas Casino and RIP Henry VIII, you would have loved gambling. Those were my notes. So I feel like he would have though. Henry VIII would have loved gambling. But back on topic, Henry VII reinstated the Earl of Northumberland and that was his gamble. It was a gamble because the Earl of Northumberland had supported Ricky at Bosworth. So this was dangerous because he could have just straight up betrayed him. He literally fought against him at this battle that just happened. This is a really uncharacteristic move for Henry VII as he was known for being extremely cautious. So this is definitely a good point for an essay. Like whenever he caught people he was usually quite nice to them, like Perkin Warbeck, we'll get into him obviously, but initially he didn't even, he like didn't even kill him or anything, he just like put him on house arrest and he only actually executed him when he like tried to escape. So Henry VII has consistently been quite lenient and quite cautious, so this is very uncharacteristic for him. However, Henry was the ultimate mastermind and this all worked out in his favour as Yorkist support was concentrated in the north and it's in the name Northumberland. So the Earl of Northumberland wanted to be on Henry's good side. He was able to cultivate a good image for Henry up there and discourage the rest of his family, the Howard family, from rebellion with Lambert Simnel. So Lambert Simnel, Lovell and John de la Pole, they landed on the northwest coast in Cumberland. Now, the only thing I know Cumberland for is sausages. So, once again, all of these are relevant places the Yorkists are landing to. Absolutely nobody moved. Oh, we're going to move on. They once again went to the north riding of Yorkshire... But nobody moved. They've done this before. This was bad decision making. They couldn't get support and they tried again in the exact same place and it still didn't work. I'm just picturing these poor peasants trying to like farm peacefully. And instead they've constantly got these weird people being like, yo, let's overthrow the king. Like, no, just let them farm. Um, anyways, the climax of our story occurs on Stokefield in 1487. Henry had gathered some advisors and they met on Stokefield, which is in Nottinghamshire. Henry was a little bit anxious about this battle because of the way the Battle of Bosworth went. What if the same thing that happened to Ricky happened to him what if some random troop popped up and then he was killed and then that's the end of the Tudor dynasty he was very anxious he was like what do I do so 
he was a little bit anxious, but he had no reason to be, because the Earl of Oxford led Henry's troops and he won. John Dillipole was killed, thank God, what an absolute pain, and this was a really, really significant battle, because the Wars of the Roses were finally over. Everyone gained a little faith in Henry because he was able to win. And as a monarch in those times, when you had military glory, you were viewed as pretty cool, which is what Henry VIII was going for. That's why he did so many, he had three French wars, because he wanted that military glory, but he never got it because he was a flop. But we'll get into that much later today. So... He also showed that he would reward good behaviour from the, from the nobility and this discouraged rebellion because they knew they would get something out of the king. That is the end of my exploration of Lambert Simnel, of the Lovell and Stafford Rebellion and how Henry secured his reign in the short term. In part two, I'll probably talk about um, the Cornwall and Yorkshire Rebellion and maybe a little bit of Perkin Warbeck. But Perkin Warbeck is such a versatile thing to talk about. Like, you can literally talk about it in, like, five different topics, like dynastic security, foreign policy. So that's I might just make that its own episode because it is really... Those facts are really, really good to have. Like, if you're going into exam about Henry VII that is one of the things you need. So I think I'm going to do a different episode about him, but I might combine it into one if the next one's really short. But thank you very much for listening. I hope you learned loads. I'm going to have to do a lot of editing now because my dog kept on barking and I had to go and shut him up, but that's fine. Um, If you all like studying for an exam, good luck. Bye.